0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. He's back, we have Satya Mara, who is a research associate for the Center of Independent Studies, technology writer and policy analyst. Very smart guy, Mr. Mara, thank you for being on the show. How are you? Good to be here. All right, so we're gonna chop it up about sanctions in Russia. If they are effective or not, um, I don't want to presume what you know or believe about these sanctions. So if you would give us your sentiment and I will then respond. Sure, uh, look,
1: Russia has been contemplating what happened a few days ago, uh, possibly for up to 20 years. Um, you know, Since 1997, there was a handshake agreement between the US and the Russian government at the time. Uh, against further expansion of NATO into Russia's sphere of influence. Now, of course, this was never put into a proper treaty. The idea that this was a permanent state of affairs was never really on the table. But ever since then, things have been changing rather drastically in terms of the Russian camp. What we now find ourselves in is a situation that Russia has prepared for, for a very long time. With that being said, the sanctions that are currently being contemplated are causing tremendous damage to the Russian economy. Uh, if we do want to take this further and cause even more damage, that can be done. The two main instruments that are doing that are causing the most hurt are firstly cutting off uh, Russian banks from the international SWIFT system. This is a system that allows for international money transfers in a safe and secure way. Uh, cutting Russia off completely from this, uh, and they have not gone that far yet, but cutting them off completely would make it impossible for Russian uh, businesses to receive payment uh, from uh, foreign customers and uh, foreign co- and foreign businesses to of course pay their uh, uh, pay the Russian companies that they've hired um and unfortunately as things currently stand uh the European Union and other parties have been reluctant to extend this as far as energy uh, as the energy sector goes which is one of Russia's most powerful sectors the reason of course being that this is the point where the sanctions are not only going to severely hurt russia but severely possibly uh, hurt and damage the countries and economies that are, Going ahead with the sanctions. Uh, we, our gas is currently expensive globally as things stand. There is an inflation crisis happening in the United States. Uh, this could make things even more difficult. The price of oil right now is about 75 US dollars a barrel. Mm-hmm. It could go, go all the way up to 125, and uh, we're all going to be feeling the pinch there. The second instrument is to sanction Russia's central bank. Uh, about 45% of Russia's foreign exchange reserves are denominated in dollars or euros. Uh, making it hard for Russia to access these reserves uh, would of course cause tremendous damage. But it could also
0: uh, lead to Russia forming a closer relationship uh, with China to try and offset some of this uh, damage that's going on. Yeah, there's a movement, there's a campaign inside of Russia right now to stop Russian citizens from converting rubles into other currency. So they won't feel the impact of how the uh, strength of their currency has diminished significantly. But let me highlight a few things about sanctions, okay? So sanctions are really meant to make the citizens of the country uncomfortable. That's what yeah. they're really meant to do. So in order for sanctions to work, you must make an assumption that I'm not sure if if it applies to Putin. The assumption is that Putin gives a damn about the citizens of Russia. That he cares enough so much so that if they struggle if they are uncomfortable if they are in dire straits right that he will say oh my gosh what have i done i'm hurting the citizens that i love and i think that's a i think that's a dangerous assumption to make about vladimir putin so the sanctions are meant to make citizens of the country uncomfortable so that you change any level of popularity as relates to backing what Russia is doing. Now remember, Vladimir Putin has appealed to the common denominator of safety, right? There's always a sales pitch with a war, American leaders do it. Every leader does it in every country, they sell the war. So what was the sales pitch? The sales pitch for Vladimir Putin to the citizens of Russia has been, we're doing this for the safety of Russia. Because if Ukraine joins NATO, now you have this Western alliance that creates a barrier and we are vulnerable to attack because of this alliance, all right? So he's selling it based on we're doing this to save ourselves. And when you sell a war like that, we did it in America, weapons of mass destruction. Remember, that's how they sold us on the war. There were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, but they needed to sell the war. And so he sold the war. He started selling it, however, during the Trump administration. But once again, the sanctions, assume that Vladimir Putin has enough care for Russian citizens for them to be effective. That's one point. The second point is this, at what point in the sanctions escalation, do we start actually impacting their ability to shoot and to kill people? War is about blowing things up and killing people. You need ammunition to do that and you need steady ammunition. Let's go back to what, Russia did to assist the Vietnamese soldiers to fight American soldiers. While they were not directly involved in the conflict, what they did is they provided weapons to the Vietnamese in order to destroy and disrupt United States operations and United States military prowess. So there's a real cause and effect relationship to the availability of ammunition and your ability to continue to engage in warfare. My question is, at what point do the sanctions reach that level to actually have an impact on the military capabilities of Russian soldiers?
1: Uh, I would honestly think that we have a very, very long way before getting to that point. Like I said, this has been contemplated for a very long time. are started they have most of the ammunition reserves, weapon reserves. They need to keep this going for at least a few months, by which time I actually believe it will probably be resolved. Putin has made a list of demands. Uh, for his withdrawal, uh, including that a guarantee that Ukraine will not join NATO. And uh, secondly, the uh, recognition of the breakaway republics that are Russian proxy states that he wants to recognize. Um, but what I do think that these sanctions will do, I know you mentioned that Putin doesn't ever care about his own people. Even dictators must care about their own people. Sure, the democratic for voting them out of office isn't there. But political pressure can be tremendous. There's already demonstrations. They have arrested thousands of people in Russia. They're trying to suppress the news. But the fact is thousands of ordinary Russians don't want this war. They've come out against it. They're being repressed very heavily right now.
0: Right. How long can this be kept up? Right, I agree with you. We actually highlighted um, Russian protesters right here on the show. And it is very clear that even if they lift a sign up, I mean, they're attacked with the SWAT team immediately. They're breaking no actual laws. They're not being violent. They're just trying to express. Uh, their disagreement with the occupation in Ukraine. And they're getting years in prison for these actions. They're not getting a bond and you go to jail for a few hours like in America. You get a bond, you go home, you go in front of a a judge uh, and it's time served. That's not happening in Russia. So when Russian citizens, and that's why it's important to highlight their voice. When Russian citizens show their public disagreement to the war, they are literally risking their entire lives to do so, so we do highlight them here. John Bolton, who was the former national security guy for Donald Trump, right? He came out recently and said, listen, first of all Trump didn't know a damn thing about Russia. He didn't even know exactly where Ukraine was located. He knew nothing about that region. And it's interesting when you listen to the narrative of Republicans because many Republicans are saying, including Donald Trump. You know, If he were president, this would not be happening, right? I don't think a lot of Republicans really believe that I'm talking about the guys in the leadership class because he was very soft on Vladimir Putin. Bolton came out and I think he's more of an authority here because he worked for Trump and he was involved in those discussions about about Vladimir Putin. And so Bolton has just come out and said, hey, listen, this invasion in Ukraine has nothing to do with Biden. And the reason it did not happen under Trump is because Putin's military was likely not ready. What is your response to that sentiment from Bolton?
1: Look, I'm not a military expert, uh, but I would certainly take everything that man says with a massive grain of salt. I mean, he came out—you know—he's, you know, he's got his own skin in the game. He's got his own. Again, you know, he's not the one. He, you know, his opinion is not universally held. I think it's impossible to say whether this would or would not have happened under Trump. we only deal in hypotheticals. I do know, though, that Trump reportedly told Putin at a private meeting at an international forum years ago, when he was president, he's he said, "If you invade Ukraine," Uh, I will uh, shoot missiles at Moscow and take down those beautiful golden domes. I'm paraphrasing slightly. Uh, Putin apparently laughed in response, not knowing whether to take that seriously. I think the value of Trump, for better or for worse, was that you never quite knew whether he was uh, being serious or not. And to your point about uh, his treatment of Putin and being soft on Putin, Look, I mean, I can't necessarily comment on that, but I I do note that when Bashar al-Assad, the Syrian leader, uh, was accused of using chemical weapons on his own people, uh, Trump did respond with a surgical strike, uh, which seemed to get that that regime to comply. So I don't think you can make a judgment one way or the other. All
0: right. So let me make a judgment on this. Uh, When Donald Trump was president, he lifted sanctions. He had to be um, voted. over, like he had to be overwritten by the Congress, a bipartisan vote said, no, we we can't do that, we can't lift these sanctions. And according to multiple people who worked in the White House who have now written books, they said every time they were forced to sanction Russia because of a Russia aggression or Russian um, statement or something that they have done, Trump always complained and said, we're being too hard on Vladimir, we're being too hard on Russia. And so this this was universal with everybody who has written a book about Trump and connected to his policy as it relates to Russia. He anytime he did a sanction, it was very reluctantly. It wasn't something he embraced. He wanted to be friends with Vladimir Putin. He wanted to have a friendly relationship with the guy, even if he was contrary to American interests. And you have to remember this dear brother, 18 intelligence agencies all concluded through independent investigations that Russia was involved in trying to manipulate American democracy at a systemic and sophisticated level. Donald Trump reviewed all 18, well, that's according to Trump. And he came out with the conclusion that Vladimir Putin did not do so. So you mean to tell me you think he would have been tougher on the Russian dictator than Joe Biden is being at the moment? I think that point is going both
1: ways. I mean, in response to what you just said, one of the things that Trump was heavily against was lifting sanctions that were placed on the Nord Stream to proposed gas pipeline between Germany and Russia, which would seriously increase European dependence on Russian fossil fuel on Russian natural gas. This is one of the pieces of leverage that is their dependence on Russian natural gas that Russia is asserting over the European Union going forward. The Biden administration actually lifted those sanctions and it's in a sense that actually through Ukraine on the bus because it was losing, you know, the Western alliance was really giving a trump card to, to the Russian government in a sense. Uh, so I think bad decisions have been made by both regimes. You know, yeah. I'm not out here throwing partisan pop shots. Sure. I think what's important is what we do right now and, and here's the thing, China is already getting involved. China is speaking to the Ukrainian side, they're trying to be mediators in all of this, trying to be fill the peacekeeper role. The problem is they're gonna try to spin this in a way that could legitimize
0: their future annexation of Taiwan. Well, that's exactly what they're going to do, not try. That's the reason why they did not come out boldly and say, listen, this is wrong. They had a an extremely warded down response because within the next five years, I predict China is going to do the exact same move against Taiwan. And by the way, Donald Trump was helpful in that too, okay? So let me, let me say this very clearly. At some point, Biden is going to have to make a decision, so are everyday American citizens, all right? We're going to have to make a decision together. And here's the decision if you do the extreme, I'm talking about in sanctions, if you go all the way, Biden, that means Americans will have to pay more. They will have to pay more in gas, they will have to pay more in consumer products because it will severely impact those industries. So the question is, are we as a country prepared to protect democracy by spending more on the goods and services we receive in this country? That's a real calculation that that we may have to deal with very soon. Do you agree?
1: I agree with that, but I do want to say when it comes to protecting democracy. I think the US has some way
0: to go to earn back some of its moral authority. Oh, come on man. We, we know we know yeah. America's schizophrenic on their uh domestic uh versus international policy. So yeah, I agree with you on that. All right, thank you so much, brother. Always a pleasure having you on the show. No worries, thanks.